0: hello fellow innovators this is Patrick Emmons and this is Shelley Nelson welcome to the innovation and the digital enterprise podcast where we interview successful visionaries and leaders giving you an insight into how they drive and support innovation within their organization today we're welcoming Fred Lee to the show Fred is the chief technology officer at Amount Amount is a leading technology provider for financial institutions. Prior to Amount, Fred held senior leadership positions at a variety of Chicago-based companies, including Chief Technology Officer for Cars.com, Gamut, and Belly. He also served as Chief Information Officer for Innova and Vice President of Digital Architecture for Granger. Fred earned his B.S. in Industrial Engineering from Purdue University and his J.D. from the Loyola University Chicago School of Law. Welcome to
1: the show, Fred. Yeah. Hey, thank you. Happy to be here. Honored to be here.
0: Fred, if you don't mind, can you share with our listeners a little bit more about Amount and your goal there?
1: Yeah, sure. So Amount. Okay. So we are officially about a two and a half year old startup. And I say officially, I'll kind of come back to that a little bit because it's got a bit of an interesting history. And our mission and our goal is to help At this time, banks and financial institutions just digitize their services and their offerings. We believe that there is change happening and how people will experience banking. For example, my kids will probably never step into a retail bank location. I personally can't think of the last time I've done that. And they think of financial services as almost like app functionality, right? So they know, for example, Venmo allows me to send somebody money, but they don't think of that as a, a like, like a banking thing or a financial service. They think of it as like an, like an app function. And that's interesting because that, that's how technology has kind of like lowered barriers and democratized these these capabilities, and the truth is that banks have lots of opportunity to do this for their customers and their users. And you know, we're excited to be a part of that. That's
0: pretty exciting stuff. And I, I, so the challenge that you're dealing with is trying to democratize banking, making some of these functionalities. And and so when you say app, you think about you're saying people think it's just like a mobile app, but what you're doing is significantly deeper into the organization itself.
1: Yeah, yeah. And, and, and so, so some of this is, I guess to try to like understand holistically why that's so challenging, a lot of that has to do with the underlying technologies that allow all the things that we take for granted to work in this world, like how we can move money around into each other's accounts, how credit cards work, how these things. And there's lots of really great technology that does that. It is certainly robust. So for example, like I can't recall ever seeing a mistake in any of my accounts, but it it's also big, right? And so it's tough to innovate from like a user experience perspective. And that that's where kind of like the digital side of it comes to play, you know, and then there's always the aspect of organizational call it size and, and all the, all the, kind of momentum that that can, that can create or stall, I guess, a certain extent, make it challenging, right. To really move quickly when customers or users like you and I demand better, right. And, and different experiences, more unified experiences. And so where we come to play is we're, we're trying to help banks build and deliver on these kind of experiences through their products. We partner with, some of the bigger kind of what we'll call core systems that allow kind of like the underlying infrastructure to work. So yeah, so I I mean, I guess like, that's how I think about where innovation can happen. It could certainly happen through the entire stack, but where Amount is focused is is on the product level for the banks, what services, what kind of products they provide, and then how that experience is just really seamless and world-class. Very cool. There's been a lot of
0: consolidation in the banking industry since 2008 and even before that, right? Like for Chicago and and like even Bank One and Fifth Third and all of that, like even in the late 90s. Are you focused primarily on some of those smaller banks or is it like the mid-sized banks? What Where's your target customer?
1: You know, I, I said earlier that, that we're, we're a startup about two and a half years in. And I would say that we are still on the journey to really figure out like what, our, our precise target customers. Like a lot of startups, in the early days you are adaptable <laughs> to the types of customers that, that you can take on. And we currently have customers that you would consider very, very large banks, you know like a top five, you know logo with certainly huge amount of assets and many many customers. And then we have what you know we call mid, mid and down market partners as well. The thing that we're, we're learning and and what we're discovering, and and some of this may seem obvious, but, but, you know, you learn through the journey is that while the technology that we can provide and the product we can provide is like fundamentally the same, how you go to market, how you implement and deliver for those two types of customers, let's say up market and down market are, are fundamentally different. And in software, you know, that's. That's the difference between enterprise software or let's call it small business software or consumer software, right? And we are constantly learning and then improving how to do both. And we think that there's an opportunity for us to do both.
0: That's great. You know, your background, very impressive, obviously, but it, it's it's a very unique experiences that you have of some of the most iconic names here in Chicago, like Granger. Everybody, anybody from Chicago knows Granger, right? there's a Granger building somewhere within your neighborhood somewhere. Right. So, yeah, but even cars.com, Innova, you know, belly. So you've got a very diverse background, right? It's not like one industry you, you stuck with. Yeah. What were you thinking? What was your intention with that? Is that something you, you started out with the, the intention of like being diverse and being, uh, you know, having all these different types of experiences. Yeah. Like Fred,
1: what are you thinking? Right. Okay. Um, <laughs> <laughs> You know, it's not like I had a plan, let's say earlier in my career where I'm like, I don't want to be in one industry that that was that was not a plan. I think but but maybe it is like a little bit more thoughtful in, in my last few kind of roles that I've taken on. And I think it's because you know what I do is I do technology, right? I know how to build technology, I know how to build processes and organizations that hopefully are productive and happy and, and growing and and you know driving value to the to the organization and I know how to do that in a technology context. I think over the years I've also learned how to be in a technology executive at a company and I, I think that's important because Often, you know, the other executives at the table don't have a technology background, and I need to partner with them to help us collaborate and, and get, to the, get to the right place. And so I've, I've developed that skill. And so I think that's allowed me to consider all industries because, you know, what's probably true over the last whatever decade, two decades, is that all companies, regardless of industry, are in some ways becoming technology companies. Well, the ones that want to survive. Yeah, yes. And and in some ways, like the like we'll call it the skills or the experience I bring, the patterns that I can bring to the table, just work across industry. Now, every time I start a new role in a new industry, there is I'm the dumbest person in the room when it comes to uh, the business. And you know, I spend a lot of time trying to trying to learn the business, the customer, the, you know, how we do sales, how we do all these things. You know, one of the first things I try to do when I join an organization is try to get as close to the customer as possible. Sometimes that actually means going to meet customers, but a really easy way is to sit with sales, go on sales calls and listen in with customer service. For example, when I first started at Cars, like within the first few months, I, I hit the road with, with a salesperson and and just followed them around from dealer to dealer. And you just learn a lot. When I uh, started at Belly, I, I myself and had my team sit and listen in with the customer service team. And you just, you just hear things and you learn things. And what's, what's interesting is not only do you learn, but it's often inspiring. So you, you kind of hear all the complaints, but you also hear like all the good things too, right? How uh, we're doing good things and how we're helping and the problems we're solving and that's always energizing, right? That's brilliant. I uh, when I worked at Ameritech, they put
0: the developers in the in the customer service phone call room. And I'm like, why am I here, right? Like, but mm. well, most of what we did was the billing function, right? And so, like, understanding what their confusion was and and I whenever I talk to the round table that I, I host around innovation, people are like, well, how do you find out what's wrong with your business? It's real easy. Go sit in the, the support room, right? Whoever's getting those calls, right? To your point though, is like, it's not all negative. There are people call and think for when they get resolution or just even clarity, right? Some of it is they just didn't understand. It was a misunderstanding. And, and then they're like, oh, I get it now. That makes perfect sense. And, but it's also great places to say, Here's where we can make big moves. Here's where we can make little moves, right? And then just some nice things to hear. So, uh, I think that's fantastic.
1: Yeah, I mean, like I'll, I'll share a quick story related to that. So when I when I got to Belly, you know, I was trying to learn the business, obviously the operations and all of that, and and I had heard from my team, the and you know the product and engineering team that that you know we just have like lots of production issues, right? And so I I had the team sit with customer service and listen in. And I kind of thought the goal was to identify the problems, right? That's what I wanted out of that. What ended up happening was you certainly do some of that, but as I mentioned, you you just get inspired by the work that's happening and the value you're creating. Because often as people who build product and do software, you're still disconnected to, to the end user. But the surprising thing, and and this is what I would suggest everyone like do is it actually created an improvement in team morale because now you're sitting with this person that kind of sits in in the customer service team, but you see them, you have coffee with them, you, you have lunch with them, you say hi to them. How was your weekend? And you realize that this is a person who's trying to do their job. And you realize, oh, like, I, what I built, the software I built in some ways like helps them, but in some ways like causes them problems and there's empathy that's built and the team comes back with like a lot of kind of connections and energy around the company and what we're doing to try to help each other. And they come back with this huge like list of ideas on what to do. And and I think this is, this is the key moment in leadership, I think, where, you know, we'll call it some leaders may may take a look at that list and go, well, it's not a priority because we still got to do this deliverable from a product feature perspective. What I did was I said, we're going to fix all those things. And I did that at risk, right? Because it was, it was time and effort taken away from something else. It definitely isn't going to
0: make you very popular with the product owners.
1: Right. But as leaders, you can't say that is an important thing we were going to do to try to understand our operations and our problems with our customers allow all this kind of empathy and connection to build create energy come back with this pile of things we should fix and then go thanks for that we're not doing that right and so i think it's important to follow through on the outcomes as well you know
0: you're not only like you're connecting the dots between what everybody does, but you're also building relationships. I think that's, that's brilliant. And I'm just curious, Fred, because as Patrick mentioned, you've worked for some really large organizations like Granger and then startups like Belly. Has that kind of changed your perspective on the type of, of talent that you now bring into the organization?
1: Yeah, look, I mean, so I'm um, hesitant because I'm trying to trying to answer that in an in a, in a eloquent way. So. I guess like the short version of it is like, I think there is certainly different talent that fits different types of companies and different phases of companies. And I think like some people might, you know, I think prior to having my personal experiences in like early stage, smaller companies versus very large, more established companies, I might have said something like, well, you know, so-and-so, you fit this company more or you fit this company more because you like process versus you don't I might have said something very honestly that's too simplistic right and I think that there is value in having a diverse perspective and a set of experiences as you as you build out like really like a productive team. And by diverse I don't mean only in race and and all these kind of things and gender and and all that. I mean like diverse backgrounds, diverse perspectives on do you actually I look for people and how you know whether they like to plan or not and things like that and and I think like through the years I've learned how I am and what my preferences are and I'm constantly looking for people who are like not like me and not necessarily exactly like me and so there's there's certainly value in having people with experiences in all those different ways you know and I think that the mistake that some companies might make or leaders may make is that they will equate what I'm talking as if that is not a culture fit. And that I think is just too, uh, it's too reductive, right? It's it's not really about that, right? It's about, can this person with their set of experiences and backgrounds and skills add value to what we're doing because it is actually different from what we're doing? And it's a recognition that that's important, right? Otherwise, you're just going to get the same people who do the same things, the
0: same way, right? It's a great point on uh, modalities, right? Like you're, you're from the startup and and from more established businesses, there are people I think that can do both. I think the at times, just the in the startups, it's a little bit more vague, right? It's a little bit more paint your own picture, mm-hmm. right? It's not so much here's a direct thing, but to your point of like. I think why I've been successful with growing my businesses is I find great compliments, right? People who are their strengths are my weaknesses and my strengths are their weaknesses. And, and that builds a, a mutual respect for each other of, you know, Hey, uh, you're really great at this. I suck at it. Yeah. I really, <laughs> I really appreciate you for what you bring to the table. And, and I do think I I was uh, on a phone call with a bunch of entrepreneurs yesterday. And I, one guy was talking, he's like, I think I need to find this person. I'm like, but that's you, you got you go find somebody else, right? Like you don't need another you. And I think, I think people get that. I think there's a, there's a natural understanding of like, Hey, you know, like I have terrible follow-through on things. Right. So it's like finding people who can like paperwork's my nightmare, right? Like anything involved, like kick the door i'm good at that yeah filling out paperwork
1: probably not for me agree to all that so here's what's like the, the really funny part to all of this like let's take process or let's take lots of process versus little process as an example every early stage startup i've been in or have talked to or advised or anything like that they all ask for guess what more process right because we need to get organized, we got to have whatever. And then for every big company that I, I've worked for or run into, to, guess what they want less of? Process, right? So so it's like, uh, there, there there's sort of this aspect of like, um you know, uh, grass is always greener on the other side. And, it, you know, but having said that, though, like the experiences that either will bring to the table, I think is important,
0: right? So. Yeah, the uh, too much, too little, right? is just, you know, the Goldilocks situation of like, Oh, it's too hot. It's too cold. It's never just right. And if you do, you end up falling asleep and bears show up and almost slaughter you. So that doesn't sound like a good outcome. I always, to your point, it's always interesting to me how enterprise organizations will say, Oh, I want to be more like a startup. And it's like, you know what a startup wants to be more like you. Yeah. You've got established client, you've got, you know, revenue you've got. Right. And, uh, it's like i tell people it's like being on third base wishing you were on first right like just focus on getting home right like don't worry about that so anyways it's it's pretty cool stuff so i'm interested you know you've got a big perspective you got a lot of different industries you know what is the hottest thing in your industry right now that's that you got your your cpu totally focused on
1: so specifically in in the industry that that I'm in right now, from like we'll call it like a product perspective, it's a product called buy now pay later BNPL. It feels like it's the hottest thing. It, it's also the 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 newer or the newest kind of thing in terms of like a bank product offering. And for those listening who don't know what BNPL is. It is a, uh, it often will, you will experience it as part of the checkout flow in some kind of e-commerce website where you're offered a button that will say often, you know, four payments, zero interest, that kind of thing. And there are a number of fintech startups that have kind of pioneered this and innovated this and are kind of leading the way. And the banks or the larger financial institutions are, are trying to figure out a way to participate, right? And so that's where a company like Amount, a platform like Amount can, can help. And um, that's certainly part of our strategy right now. Very cool.
0: So what is your uh, single biggest challenge right now? Like, uh, What's the thing that, like, if you could solve one thing, you know, it would have a huge impact on the organization as a whole?
1: Yeah, yeah. So uh, I'm gonna cheat and maybe maybe uh, mention two things. I'll say first, first, like at a, at a company high level, as a as a newer company, you know, again, I think it's normal to adapt and iterate and focus. You know, figure out where to focus. What's the key strategy? I would say that we are on that journey. It is something that uh, myself and the executive team are constantly working through and, and talking through. It's very important that we nail that. Otherwise, we run the risk of just going after too many things at once, right? Which is, you know, new, old, big, or small is always potentially a problem, right, in a company. For me personally, who, you know, I lead technology and product and engineering, you know, it is always about talent. It is not only hiring, but also growing the great talent that I already have. And just constantly trying to improve the team a lot of times people will ask me like fred what is your vision what is your mission while you're there you know and people might be a little surprised to hear me say that my, my goal is to build a world-class team that can build world-class products over and over again and that's maybe a little surprising to people because they expect to hear from me something like about the product or about the technology or whatever. But what I, what I have learned is that, I mean, I've done this long enough where I have shipped code in upwards of 50 different languages. I actually listed this out one time. I have worked through any number of different architectural patterns that at the time everyone said was the best. I have worked in any number of development processes from old school waterfall to new school agile to whatever and like none of that matters. And the only thing that really matters is do you have a great team? And a great team will overcome any of those things and a great team will will adapt to any of those challenges. And so so doing that is, is the thing that I'm I'm most focused
0: on. It's it's fantastic. And I I think you bring up a great point about finding people who can get things done, right? Of like people who can actually care about each other, right? Who work well together. I know there's a, a lot of passion around agile, as you mentioned. Somehow we were able to land on the moon without agile. I don't know how that was possible. Must have been luck. Yeah. Right. Or just committed, dedicated, serious people, right? Mm-hmm. Do you think it's harder to find people like that today? Do you think the the commitment level, like the, the comfortability with rigor and, and discipline, because that's really what we're talking about when it comes to, to good engineering is it's like this old house, right? Do you have the discipline to go backwards, to go forward instead of just keep meandering on?
1: So uh, you ask, like,
0: is it difficult to find those people? More difficult. It's always been difficult, right?
1: Yeah. Well, okay. So it, it is always been challenging to hire great talent because as we all know, the market is competitive, but I don't think that, so I guess like that is like a market statement, but in, in the sense of like, do these people exist? I think there are way more people that exist like this than, you know, people think. I think that most people, most engineers, most product managers want to do their best work for the company, for the good of the company and for the good of the team and for each other. They, they desire to put their effort into it, whether that's time, heart, soul, mind. And I think many organizations unfortunately crush that and squeeze it out of them and my goal is to try to create a playing field that allows for everyone to bring their best work and cultivate and you know and the goal is like that is hard enough in itself but like maybe like what's even harder is like how you then align all that to like this company outcome that we want as well right and so you know I mean at the end you know that's that's management, right? So uh, uh, that that's kind of what I mean by that's what I focus on. That's great. And
0: I think that plays into what you said before about there's the right sizing of process. But I think one of the things that I see most organizations are are not doing is creating the clarity that to your point of like getting getting people to be able to, like we just recently had a, a great podcast guest, uh, Ed Wagoner from JLL, and he talked a lot about having creating the environment for people to bring their best self, bring everything that have got and creating that clarity. Cause I do think you're, you're, you spot on with so many management or old school structures that would be crippling, right? Where you're not going to bring a hundred percent, you're going to bring maybe 70% because if you bring the other part and it gets crushed, you're, you're going to get hurt and you just, you're going to back out of it. And uh, so there is that balance of structure and clarity and one of the things you talked about as well is like how important with working with the fully remote workforce, communication, right? Where like you, you can't just say, hey, well, it's harder on Zoom, right? You, you've gotta be deliberate about your communication strategies. You have to constantly think, who else needs to know this, right? Like how do I get that information to them? And one of the things you mentioned before was the communication has to be documented and
1: asynchronous, right? Yeah. Yeah. Let, I mean, comment on that a little bit. I think for sure when you're in a remote workforce or even a hybrid remote or, you know, non-remote workforce, communication has always been challenging, right? And and as leaders, many leaders fail to communicate well, and I I am one of those as well, because it's really hard. It's time consuming. How many of us have sat down? We know what we want to say. We start that email or that Slack message and it's just hard to write these thoughts out in a way that is you know clear and all these things and then you go I'll come back to that right and then a week passes two week passes and now your communication isn't out and so this is you know to the point of being like thoughtful and purposeful you you have it is it is not something you just like hammer out right you have to like actually work on it and be purposeful about it and it's it's definitely, I think, super important. And that's kind of like top-level leadership communication, right? And that doesn't even account for the day-to-day kind of project work and the different tasks that are part of the project and so forth. And when you have a remote workforce or a hybrid remote workforce like I do, working that way is really important because, I guess, like, not working that way, I guess I'll say, like, The extreme opposite is having a very meeting-centered culture is, by definition, non-inclusive, right? So, one, if you're not at the meeting, then you missed out. But how many times does this happen where there's three people in the office, one person on Zoom, and they're not included in the conversation, right? So, one way to, like, allow kind of like the playing field to be level is, like, we can still have the meeting, but the source of truth is document right and that allows this to kind of level the playing field allow people to be included but also the asynchronous nature allows for the work to happen kind of like whenever it needs to happen as opposed to 9 30 central time you know when i might have someone pacific time and someone eastern time and someone whatever time i say all that but i also want to be clear we are on a journey to get there and you know, it, it is as much behavior as it is culture, as it is, you know, people doing the work. There's skill as well involved in, in doing this. But you know, I feel like it's it's important. I think it'll be an important competitive advantage for any organization that can do this well. The communication component is a
0: competitive advantage. Yeah, totally agree. Totally agree. Especially in a remote hybrid environment. But it almost seems like it's more it's more the potential higher there because it is that like Slack channels, right? There's, there are these types of virtual rooms where these conversations can mm-hmm. remain long-term as opposed to somebody without today. And it's not even so much the hybrid or, or any of that, like, Hey, this person just had another meeting and now you've got a gap in information so that when you start executing on whatever that to do was that came out of the meeting, you know, one of four people is unaware and they're operating in a whole different understanding. And that just, that's where, that's really where the defects start showing up from like the human processes of like, this person wasn't on the same page. And it's like, oh, well, why did this blow up? And it's like, nobody told me we were going to do when they're deploying tomorrow. Right. So I didn't have any idea. I didn't have my team prepared. So it's tremendous. I, I, one thing I always lean in on as well when it comes to competitive advantages, it's developing leaders in your organization, right? So leadership is something that just is, you're going to get, I call it a 10X kind of thing, right? Where if everybody in your organization at least can lead themselves and then potentially lead one to two other people. I think it's you're unstoppable because so few organizations spend any time on it.
1: Yeah, no, um, absolutely. Totally agree. Awesome
0: well, Fred, I really appreciate you uh, joining us on the podcast today. Great stuff. yeah some of the big takeaways for me is uh, one, get close to your customers and get close to the people who get close to your customers. yeah <laughs> know what their pain points are you know empathizing with the customers great. Empathizing with the person servicing that customer is better, right yeah because like if you can empower them, they're your teammates, they're your friends, right yeah. And communication, obviously a big part of this. Uh, and thanks for sharing your vision on, on the uh, buy now, pay later. Right. Awesome. Well, I, I appreciate you being on today. It's really tremendous. And again, congratulations on all your success. You're an inspiration. I think the things you've accomplished, especially as a technologist and a business person and understanding how to marry those two things, I think is is you know uh, an inspiration and it should be to, to many of our young technologists out there knowing that they should bridge that gap if they really want to get to the higher
1: levels of success. Yeah, great. Well, thank you. I appreciate the kind words. Thank you for having me on. Um, It's been fun. Thank you, Fred. Thank you. Awesome.
0: We also want to thank you, our listeners. We really appreciate everyone taking the time to join us. And if you'd like to receive new episodes as they're published, you can subscribe by visiting our website at dragonspears.com slash podcast. Or find us on iTunes, Spotify,
1: or wherever you get your podcasts.
0: This episode was sponsored by Dragon Spears and produced by Dante32.